In a world of career uncertainty, there is one variable you have total control over, yourself. Welcome to Forever Employable Stories, where expert digital transformation consultant and successful entrepreneur Jeff Gotthelf will share conversations with unique and inspiring individuals who have taken charge of their professional lives, leveraged their expertise, built an audience, and future-proofed their careers so you can learn how to do the same. Here's your host, Jeff Gotthelf. By all accounts, when he graduated from college, Stephen Shedletsky already had it made. He had been accepted into a management training program at a top firm and was quickly headed into the business world. There was one big catch. Stephen's definition of leadership differed greatly from what his new employer was teaching him. Disillusioned and disappointed, Stephen began looking for alternatives. He quickly discovered the work of Simon Sinek and found it deeply inspiring. Following him and his work, Stephen literally bumped into Simon in the bathroom. After a brief hello, he returned home to figure out how to engage more with Simon and his work. Stephen questioned how he could get a meeting with Simon and be more involved with his mission. The answer, as in many of the Forever Employable stories, is persistence and perseverance. He sent him a cold email. Stephen shares that story and other tips about how to ignite your success in this latest episode. Take a listen. Welcome back. I'm super excited to have another terrific guest for the next series of Forever Employable Stories. My guest today, all the way from Toronto, Canada, is Stephen Shedletsky, who's going to tell us all about himself. And I'm going to see if we can uncover more ways and more nuanced ways to continue to think through how to build the kind of platforms and networks and communities that help us become forever employed. So Stephen, welcome to Forever Employable Stories. Thanks so much. Good to be here, Jeff. I'm thrilled to have you on this. And listen, just so we can set some background for folks, can you give a bit of the, the TLDR about yourself and your career so folks can get a bit of a grounding about you? Sure. So my career started with pain. I thought I would be pleased <laughs> with the first job I got. It sounded great. I got it out of you know business school recruiting. So I won that. And it turns out that I neglected to ask them how they defined the term leadership. I joined a leadership development program and I went leadership. I love leadership. I love studying leadership and I love practicing leadership. And to me, the definition of leadership is serving those in your span of care. But I thought that was the definition everyone was operating with. And it turns out there is no standard definition of leadership. And the first corporation I joined, it was more P&L authority. And were you white male and had gray hair? Um, and so because of pain, I felt uninspired, disengaged, unmotivated. I knew something was amiss. At first I made myself wrong for it. Like it was the first time in my life I made a choice that wasn't panning out. So I made myself like, what did I do wrong? Right. Rather than how is this environment perhaps not for me? Not an evil entity, just not a right fit. Right. And I was introduced to Simon Sinek's work and his vision of a more inspired, safe and fulfilled world. And I went, "Uh uh-huh, like that's what I want. And I knew it already. He just put it into clear words for me. And I got lucky, the right time, right, right place. I'd be doing this work of helping people find what inspires and engages them and help them do it, not just for them, but for the people around them. I'd be doing this anyway. But fortunately, I collided with Simon and we've been doing this together for over a decade. So I want to explore a couple of things that you said there. First of all, this concept of getting lucky. So 
this is a really interesting concept. So I talk about this in the book and there's a quote, it's, a, it's overused, but it's a good quote and I like it. And so I'm, it's in the book, the quote from Seneca, the, you know, the philosopher where he says, he says, luck is where opportunity meets preparation, right? So people are like, oh, you're so lucky you bumped into Simon Sinek. I'm going to ask you how you met him in a second here. But, you know, the, this is like, oh, I got lucky. Like, oh, you got offered a book deal. You're so lucky, right? It's about opportunity meeting preparation. So talk to me a little bit about that. Right time, right place, right? What was the opportunity? And how did you prepare yourself to take advantage of it? I bumped into Eric Reese at a meetup, you know, 10 years ago. And since then, that's been a very fruitful acquaintance. I call it a friendship at some points. But otherwise, like, that was, that was just pure luck. I literally just bumped in. And t- tell me about preparation meets opportunity for this thing. Because you clearly have a vision of what you wanted to be doing. Didn't find it first time out of the gate at a business school. How does this come together? Maybe I can just, Jeff, tell the story of how we met. But, you know, you're making me think of outliers from Malcolm Gladwell that it's talent, hard work, and luck. And then Adam Grant throws in, in reciprocity style, right. right? And I agree with all that. So like, like I said, I experienced pain. I was introduced to someone, a guy by the name of James Powell, who mm-hmm. very quickly became a mentor. It was July of 2010. I was miserable in my career, and I was searching, desperately searching for answers in a sort of a, you know, a new path. And a mentor introduced me to this guy, James, and the next day we met for dinner. Like, when does that ever happen? And I said to him, James, I'm afraid to, because I was being moved into a marketing role for this first company I was with. And I said, I'm afraid to move into marketing when I don't believe what they sell and how they sell it. And he said, watch "Watch this TED Talk. And he sent me Simon's TED Talk. Uh. I procrastinated for two months and then finally watched it. And went, huh, like everything you say to be true, haven't thought about it that way. Some months later, uh, November, I went to a conference in Toronto to hear Malcolm Gladwell speak. And right before Gladwell, and literally the cover boy of the conference program was Simon Sinek. I went with some friends and they're like, it's your boy. Because I was already drawing golden circles and espousing his work on napkins and in any opportunity that I, you know, drawing circles on napkins and any opportunity I had to speak about this guy, Simon, because his work represented mine. And then, you know, to your point, luck, for sure luck. I mean, I went to go to the restroom after the conference and bumped into him. No. Said, yeah. And he was a lot shorter than I thought he would be. Um, yeah. Bumped into him. And like, you know, he didn't know me from, from Adam, but I said, hey, like I was that guy who asked you that question about this because I asked a question during Q&A. He was very kind, shook my hand. I wrote a little article about him on my, I was doing a blog at, at the time for young professionals. And so yada, yada, yada. I write him a message on LinkedIn. I say, I'm going to read the book. He writes back a couple weeks later on LinkedIn. I now lead the team that responds to people who write it on, on LinkedIn, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. And he said, I, I hope you enjoy the book more than the talk. And I'm like, nah, probably not possible because you know, I don't like reading that much. But I, I read this book and I think a big piece of preparation. Uh, preparation meets opportunity. There needs to be sincerity. I legitimately care about this guy's work. Yeah. If I was just doing it for me and to get ahead myself, he'd see through that at some point. But I read his book, loved it, started listening to any podcast or interview or anything, 
And I wrote back to him and I, I wrote back this like five point email of uh-huh. this is how we know each other. This is why you inspire me. And if you get this right and they're legit, they'll keep reading. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. If you get it right, but they're illegit, they'll just put it away. And I said, here's what I'm inspired to do because of said inspiration. Yeah. Now I'm trying to advance what you believe. Here's how I think you can help. Can I buy you a coffee? And I got a response immediately. Wow. And it was his autoresponder saying, I no longer respond to professional email. <laughs> 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 and so there were three people listed on, you know, who to respond to. The first one was about corporate partnerships. And I'm like, I'm not that big a video. I'm not going to play that card. And yeah. the other two, a guy by the name of David Mead and a lady by the name of Danielle Summers. And I wrote to David and Danielle and Danielle wrote back and set up a time for Simon and I to continue the conversation. David wrote back the day later saying, sorry, like he's busy. And I'm like, no, but Danielle told me I could. I felt like I was asking to go to the bathroom in kindergarten. But Simon agreed to meet and continue the conversation. And I literally asked him, why? Why would you give me this time? And he said, I get the sense that you're a giver. I get the sense that this isn't for you. I get the sense that you care about my work and you want to advance it. Okay. And so that was... 10 years ago and bit by bit, you know, I started doing some work with him and his team and, and now we're here. Got it. Let me ask you a question here. Cause I want, I want yeah. to get back here. You said, I want to make sure that this is very, very clear. You said you wrote him a five bullet point email. And I think this is a really, this is a really interesting tactic. This is how you know me, right? That's how we met, right? How we met. Or, or so-and-so, you know, Eric recommended I reach out, you know? Right. Some sort of like, I'm not just a random kook, like you can create right. some sort of relationship. You were a little bit random. <laughs> Maybe sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I think I said I was the guy who asked you this question at that event. Got it. Okay. Which, you know, and he probably did three events that week, so he had no idea who he's talking about, but some form of credibility. Got it. Here's why you inspire me, right? So give me a sense of kind of what that entails. <laughs> I could pull up the email, but... Well, no, um, I mean, but like, at a high level, like... Based on, I mean, this is what marketing is, is people's experience of your brand. So I uh-huh. wrote back to him, this is my experience of you, essentially. Uh, got right? It, got you, know, yep, yep. You, you know, Simon's an order, so he's an open book. Like, he makes it very clear what, what he's about. But mm-hmm. his vision of a more inspired, safe, and fulfilled world, I want to live in that world. Got it. Okay. And then the next thing you said was, here's what I'm doing with your content. Did I get that right? Because of said inspiration above, here's what I'm inspired to do and contribute and advance it. Ah, okay, cool. And then the last one was meet for a coffee. What was the one before that one? The one before it is, here's how I make up, you can help me. Like, here's Ah. the story I'm telling myself about how you might be able to help me. Ah, okay. So oftentimes, I get notes from people that hit the first couple, like, hi, I'm so inspired, so inspired by this. Here's what I'm trying to do. I need your help. And it's kind of like, you don't know me. Yeah, it also establishes like, I'm really attracted to people who are going to be doing this with or without me. Right. And so I sort of established like, I'm not expecting your help. I'd love your help. But if you can't, that's okay. And I'm still going to charge ahead. I'm going to strive to be successful on this pursuit with or without you. If it's Got with it. you, great, because you already have momentum on the thing that we both care about. And so, and then let's meet for a coffee to call to action, right? Like, here's, yeah. here's the... Can I buy you a coffee? Can I buy you a coffee or can I, you know, can we chat for 15 minutes? Right. And he always asks for 15 because if you ask for 30 or 45, it's like, whoa. But if right. you ask for 15 and by minute 14, they're really enjoying it, they'll give you another 15 minutes. Right. No, it's super interesting. I've got a client now who's a, so he's an ultra wealthy individual, 
right? And it's the first ultra wealthy person I've ever met in my entire life. And certainly the first one of that caliber or that stature that I've ever worked for. And he works in 20 minute increments. So you get 20 minutes. And if he likes what you're saying, you get 20 more, right? If he likes what you're saying, you get 20 more. And so that's, that's kind of how funny. it goes. Quarters in a payphone. That's exactly <laughs> how it is. But you know, it's every 20 minute cycle. That could be it. You could be done. So did Simon read this email? Do you know that he read it? I doubt it. Maybe it was shown to him as a glance and he went, yeah, fine, let's do it. Like happy to meet with him. But I don't know. I've actually never asked him that. But I did ask him when we finally got on. So I reached out in the first couple of weeks of January. We had a phone call scheduled for February. It then got pushed out till April. Uh And the, the good news about that was I spoke to him on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. That Thursday, I was flying out to New York for a, just a weekend vacation. It was supposed to be with my girlfriend that then became with my brother because that girlfriend became an ex. And I was speaking with him and I asked him in that phone conversation and I said, why did you take this call? And he said, I got the sense that you're a giver. Yeah. So whether he remembered meeting me or took a scan at my email, but it was these two people Danielle and, and David, who took a look. David's since become a best friend, and I'm now working closely with Danielle on a new product, which is fun. And what's funny is, so two, three days after I spoke with him on the phone, I was going to be in his, in his neighborhood. And so I said, can I buy you that coffee? And I joined him and his family on a, on a charity walk, which was, and apparently I was the very first fan who was ever invited to do something in his personal life. I wow. had no idea. I had no idea at the time. <laughs> I'm like, why did you do that? So it's been... It's been fun. Crazy. And, and what I like about here is I like your perseverance. One thing that we're seeing throughout all these stories is there's a level of perseverance here, right? I mean, you read the material, you went to see him speak, you sent him an email, you followed up with the people. You didn't get put off by the autoresponder, right? You followed up with the people who were in the email. You continued to follow up. You got the call scheduled, the call got deferred. You got it rescheduled and eventually made this happen. And I think that that's something that that gets lost in a lot of these conversations when you see people whose success you want to emulate. The conversation around perseverance gets lost. I remember, I remember going to Greece speak in the early days of the Lean Startup Movement, and he always talked about the montage. The montage was the part from where the entrepreneur had the idea, where the idea was successful. But you know, in the movies, they do a montage of all the hard stuff in the middle, right? So it's like yeah. 30 seconds of music and sweats and disappointment. That's the journey. (laughs) But that's the journey, right? That's the work, right? And I think that we all too often we get that montage where that's the thing we should expand. The beginning and the end, less so important. It's the journey that becomes interesting. Yeah. The thing I love about Simon, you know, he's done well. And, you know, you mentioned his success or people whose success you wish to emulate. But the thing I love about Simon's success is it's primarily, it's not about him. There are benefits to his celebrity or fame or whatever, but predominantly he's someone who stands for something bigger than himself. You know, so it's not about him. He might represent a movement or he does represent a movement, but, but yeah. Fascinating. So in the book, Forever Employable, I talk about s- several qualities that help folks become forever employable. My goal is to teach people that the qualities that I've discovered in myself that have helped me become forever employable are in them as well, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks don't see that in themselves. And the qualities specific, I'm talking about things like entrepreneurialism, self-confidence, continuous learning, continuous improvement, 
reinvention. Those are the qualities that I talk about. A lot of folks don't see that in themselves. I didn't see them in myself, frankly, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And so I'm curious, I want to take a look at a couple of these different qualities and get your take on your perspective on them. So one of the most important things is self-confidence. Now, people hearing your story will say, well, look, this guy's got a ton of self-confidence. He's not afraid to email his, the guy he wants to work for and the guy who inspires him and then persist about that. Can you share a story from your past or a recent story that has helped you develop your self-confidence to where you said, look, I'm just going to email this guy. I'm going to persist until I get an answer. Sure. So the, the funny thing about confidence or even self-confidence is like no one is born confident. Yeah. And I think confidence comes from the relationships that we have around us. Same with courage. So, I mean, there's one instance, Jeff, that stands out for me. I have a great relationship with my dad. And my dad is not one of these like lovey-dovey, every one of us has the same number of, of emotions and we're all emotional, but some of us are more emotive and some of us are less emotive and I would yeah. put them toward the less emotive. And so I was still living under my parents' roof. I, I remember when I was in my first couple of jobs and miserable, I kind of said to myself, oh, if I just moved out and moved into an apartment or a condo in my own, you know, my own place, then I'd be happy boy, am I glad I didn't do that because I ended up leaving corporate and I kind of went on my own version of my own MBA, which is I was clear on what I wanted to pursue and I chose to live in my parents' basement to pursue it. And I lived, you know, under the poverty line based on the income I was pulling in. Fortunately, I had room and board. I was lucky in that regard, but I used my luck to pursue something that I cared about rather than just myself. But I remember I was like six months into starting out on my own. And I thought success would happen quicker than it did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and the quality of the people that I was meeting and the quality of the conversations, like they were great. I knew I was moving in the right direction. Like I was clear on why, but I had no what's. Like I knew what step 10 was, but I was very clearly at step one or two. And I had no idea you know, steps three, three through, through nine, just like, and so I thought it would just go. I thought I'd have clients, a coaching practice. I thought I'd have consulting gigs and speaking engagements. And like, it just wasn't happening as quick as I thought it would. And sort of in a moment of vulnerability, I remember one evening saying, I think it was a weekday evening. I said to my dad, I said, dad, what if this doesn't work out? And he said to me, and, and my parents were hucking me quite a bit to try to stick on the path. I was with a couple of, you know, large successful organizations. I could have built a nice secure path. Why don't you just try an internal transfer, son? Like go work (laughs) in human resources. And I'm like, thanks for like trying to help. And like, you know, I don't have business parents. They don't have business in their background. So they were limited in how they could help me, which was really hard for them. I, I remember saying to my dad, what if this doesn't work out? And he said to me, give it two years. Anything that you've put your mind to, you've been successful at. Give it two years. And it was just like, I get like emotional just thinking about it because here's this person who I respect deeply. He doesn't really understand what I'm doing and trying to do, but he understands that I care about it deeply, that I've, I'm willing to take big risks on my own career path, that I would do such, yeah. such a thing. He knew that I cared about it. And he said, give it two years. And it was kind of like your like investor being like, I know you, you're not seeing returns yet, but I believe in you. Give it a bit of time. Like yeah. six months is not a fair sample. Give it two years. And it was like, oh my, like it was so liberating. 
And by the time I hit that two-year mark, that's when I joined forces with Simon and things started moving. And it hasn't been, you know, lollipop, sunshine, and rainbows with Simon over these past, you know, nine, 10 years, but it's been a great growing journey. And I'm so delighted where I am in my career right now. Amazing. That was a really great story. Thanks for sharing that. Because again, look, one of the things that, again, it's, it's really nice to hear you say that because one of the things I talk about in the book is actually a two-year cycle, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to start to establish yourself in some kind of ability in a particular space, my experience has taught me that at least two years is what's necessary to really start to establish some credentials in that space as well. And learn. <laughs> and learn. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that's interesting to me, and this is from your perspective, I think part of what you do is building a network and really kind of growing a network around an idea, a process, ways of working, a methodology, right? Whatever it is, right? A vision or a mission in this particular case. What have been some effective tactics in growing the network? And why is it important to do that? We're a tribal species. You know, Mm -hmm. we succeed because of the people around us. I mean, I, I look at every success I've had in my life, and I think there is a very strong correlation between people taking risks on me, you know, mm-hmm. trust. The very reason we're having this conversation is because of networking. So a mutual friend, Brian Wish, he's someone who wrote into our company website at the time that I was doing customer service. Mm-hmm. He was in college at the time and struggling with what does he do with his life? Should he go the path more traveled or should he sort of follow his instinct and gut and go stray? And he, he knew his answer. He just needed some permission to do it. And he thought finding his why, his purpose would help. Yeah. And so here's someone who writes in. And quite frankly, I read his email and I saw myself in him. And I went, I can help this guy. Yeah. So my J-O-B dictated that I should write him back a response. But I said, hey, do you want to hop on a call? Like, I'd be delighted to, to yeah. chat. And I helped him out, gave him access to our online why discovery course. He found his why. I mentored him a little bit and just was a listening ear and reflected back what he already knew, but sort of gave him permission to forego the high paying corporate job and go do the thing that he was so passionate about while he could, you know? And I just kept showing up and supporting this guy because I have a value of feeding the hungry. I really want to help people who want to be helped. I just find it so attractive that if you want to improve, I'll keep showing up for you if you keep showing up for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, that was six, seven, eight years ago or something. And he would always ask me, what can I do to, to pay you back? And I would just say, pay it forward. You will mm. meet someone at some point who you see yourself in them, just help them. And Brian has gone on to build a very successful career. He started his own firm. It's coming along. And yep. now he has all of these press and media opportunities. And whenever he has a client that's great, or he does an interview himself, he always sends me an email saying, Stephen, I think you'd be great for this. And so I helped this guy, not for me, but for him. He would ask me, what can I do to, to, to repay you? There's like, dude, like I, if I ever have something that I need from you, I will ask. Right. But I'm, I'm not doing this to get something back from you. I'm doing this because I believe in you. And, you know, we formed this great friendship, even brotherhood. And he is constantly looking to send opportunities my way just because we believe in each other. And so that, like, that's networking, <laughs> which yeah. is really making friends, and particularly when you share similar values and beliefs. It's interesting, too. I mean, Brian, and you have that on one-on-one, you know, it's the challenge, and I think Simon's done as well, is doing that at scale as well, right? So yeah. scaling that much, much bigger. 
this is fun because this is scale. You and I are having this conversation. Though this is a one-on-one interaction, there are many people who may watch this and may go like, oh, that's good, you know? Yeah. So anyway, this is scale potentially. Yeah. So, hey, we're living in weird times. Global shutdowns, pandemics, coronavirus, really kind of redefining, forcing people to really look deeply at their core value and finding new channels for distributing or sharing that value. What have you been doing during the lockdown to stay connected, to keep improving, to keep work moving forward in the face of the reality that we face right now that I'm confident we will emerge from, but as things currently stand, how have you been reinventing in, that, in the face of that? So a couple of things. So one is, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I became very clear on the work I wanted to do. I made a conscious choice and, and I said, I'm willing to struggle for three, four, five years. And instead of, you know, climb the ladder that others think I should climb, I'm just going to make my own mm-hmm. such that in five, 10 years from now, I'll be known as the guy who helps people feel more inspired, safe and fulfilled at work, you know, build a brand around it. And what's fun is, as the years have gone on, people have been reaching out to me for the right reasons. And I'm talking about people that I haven't spoken with in like three to five years. Yeah. And they're asking me to do the work that I love doing, which is fun. To answer your question head on with the Corona times, you know, when this started in March, the vast majority of our revenues came from hopping on planes and going and doing live events at conferences yeah. with, with organizations. And that all but shriveled up. We've not let go of a single person. We've not done furloughs. We have kept everyone's salary the exact same. And we pivoted. We're still doing a little bit of B2B work and it's coming along, but it's not as rampant as it was. And we've pivoted into B2C, that we know that there are people who believe in this work and want this work for themselves. We've not done a great job of serving them in the past, quite frankly, because we didn't need to. And now we need to. And we've, you know, we've always been very open source and provided our tools for free or reasonably priced so that people can get stuff. But we've never really built B2C. So we pivoted and opened up live online classes. So we took what we did in a live room and made it on Zoom. And we have these live classes. You can come on, you can find your why, you can figure out how to live your why, you can work on your leadership, you can work on building trust. Like We've built this new marketplace where anyone can come on their own or with their team and work with us and work with peers. And so, you know, we pivoted with purpose. And the definition of pivot is to move around one central thing. And the thing we've chosen to move around is what now can we do to help advance our vision of a more inspired, safe, and fulfilled world? Perfect. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This has been amazing. The stories are super great. And uh, I think folks will get a lot out of this. So I really, really appreciate it. Awesome, Jeff. Likewise, it's been a treat. I, I hope it helps. Hey, it's Jeff. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Forever Employable Stories. If you enjoyed the show and learned something new, tell a friend. The best way you can help us grow is to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and send this episode to someone you think can benefit from it. As always, feel free to reach out and connect on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Do you know someone who has a great Forever Employable story? Someone who has built a platform and an audience using their unique skills and experience? If so... I want to talk to them. Send me a note at jeff at gothealth.co and let me know.